Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast, produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet. I am Bob, exactly one half of the Bob and Brad team, and today I'm going to be joined by the knees over toes guy. Um, he's kind of came upon the scene here and has gone wild. Uh, his name is Ben Patrick, and uh, if you have knee pain, actually hip pain, knee pain, ankle pain, shoulder pain. He's got a unique system for treating this and they're all free. They're on his website and they're on his YouTube channel, Knees Over Toes Guy. And um, it's it's really groundbreaking stuff. He's really qu quite a pioneer in the field. And uh, I think you're gonna enjoy this so much. I'm starting his exercises myself. I'm going to incorporate him into my life and we're going to start probably doing some videos on him. Um, you're, you're really going to enjoy this. Welcome to the program, Ben Patrick. So glad to, have to be you. here. Yeah. It's an honor is ours. As I was saying before, um, you know, I really, uh, I'm going to first, you know, make a confession here. Brad and I have been, don't do knees over toes for probably five to 10 years but you've yep. completely changed my thinking. And uh, also, uh, is it Squat University? They're advocates he, of that too. He and helps I, educate on that as well. Yeah. 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 And uh, there's a uh, prehab guys. I think they're there for that too, but I really like where a lot of your stuff is headed. And I'm, I'm starting it myself uh, before I, at least when I have an experiment of one, <laughs> And see how it works, <laughs> like works it. for me and uh and then we'll see how it goes from there but i love it i love the stuff so why don't we start with it your your background uh and some of your mentors and we could talk about yeah. that yeah i mean i i also like <clears throat> i grew up and was absolutely psychotic about trying to be a basketball player and i don't necessarily have the genetics for that so i was i was one of those guys who trains way too hard and you know, so I had chronic knee pain from the time I was about 12 years old and from 12 to 18, I never, I was never able to shake that knee pain and had various tears in my knees that started around 14 years old. And by, by 18, I had a partially artificial kneecap, a meniscus, oh tran yeah, meniscus transplant and a quad tendon repair. And oh then I was God. still. And, and yeah. And so I, I finished high school with no recruitment for basketball, like no college scholarships or anything like that, but I was still trying to make it. So by 19, now I had more tears in my right knee. So now I was thinking I'm gonna have to have more surgery. And throughout all that time, I also did not let my knees over my toes. When your knees go over your toes, that puts more pressure on your knees. Right now in my, in my case, trying to be a basketball player, trying to jump in all these things, if you put a basketball game in slow motion, you would see that it's just an unbelievably knees over toes sport. You can even measurably see that Michael Jordan played more knees over toes gotcha. than anybody at his height. So he was six, six, and he was able to be really strong with his knees over his toes. So it's something that we clearly want, but there was not a system in place of how to get there. So that light bulb went off when, someone who became my mentor, an Olympic trainer named Charles Poliquin, who was, um, he's really a genius guy. And some of his ideas, because they seem different, maybe he could have been uh, 
thought of as like more of a radical kind of guy, right. but he was really a genius. And he made this point that the athlete whose knee can go farthest and strongest over the toes without, you know, pain is obviously has a more protected knee. So that was, that was the light bulb. I ended up not having to have more surgeries and my life became basically one, you know, a knees over toes experiment and, and mission. And by 23 years old, I got my first division one basketball scholarship. So I quite literally, yeah, I quite literally was able to change my body and change my knees. And I mean, when I hit age 20, I had never been able to jump up and grab a basketball rim, obviously very hard to get recruited for basketball. Right. You don't have any, when you don't have any special connections or lineage or, you know, parents who are players and you can't even grab the rim. It was, I was, if you don't have any hops, you're not going to get up there. I was short, no hops, no connections. Couldn't grab the rim. That was, you know, when I reached 20 now, now I turned 30 and I'm dunking every which way I have a 42 inch vertical jump. No, I saw the video. Yeah. So, so I was able to change those things by figuring out how to make knees over toes safe, if you will. So as we go today, I can, I can lay it down in, in exact steps of, okay, what's the safest, what's the second safest, what's the, you know what I mean? Um, and it's like any kind of, uh, technology, it's only going to be as safe and effective as the person is trained and understands it. You know, the same thing that can help you, you know, could harm you if it was done in the wrong way at the wrong dose or whatever. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you are not advocating to go into pain. I ever, 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 right. In fact, that's one of the main things I have to get through to people. Most people with knee pain assume they have to work through some degree of pain. Right. Research shows, okay, you can work through a two or a three, but I find better results when we find what you can do with a zero and then keep doing that maybe for higher reps than you're used to, maybe with more unorthodox, you know, styles than you're used to. Now you start feeling the muscles, the knees not hurting and you're feeling the muscles. Now you get a little bit of change. You come back the next session, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then before you know it, you've made a huge jump. So I, I actually don't, like personally, I hate working through any degree of pain. So I don't sure. work through a two. I don't work through a two or a three. I find that level I can do with absolutely no pain. And that's what I really try to help people find. Yeah, I have to be honest. I didn't know who Charles Poliquin was. And uh, I just ordered one of his books. Um, oh, wow. Um, a lot of his books are, he must be passed away. He yeah. passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot of his books are really expensive, like the, the old used ones, oh, yeah. but, but one yeah. of them was, was not, so I, it's coming today. So I can't wait to read no it. Way. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just like the, the story you told about the Michael Jordan card that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just think that I mean, that tells about your character and your drive and that's my personality. You know, I don't, I have no idea why, you know, I was like that, but I mean, I remember telling my friend at four years old, like, oh yeah, sorry. Like I, I can't go to the toy store with you today. Like, what are you talking about? Like we both did our chores or whatever. Like, no, no, I'm not spending a dime until I save up a thousand dollars for a Michael Jordan rookie card. This is what I did at four. And by the time I was like six, six and a half. Yeah. But so I went a few years, I wrote cards to every relative, send cash, (laughs) you know, sure. Don't send toys. 
I mean, four, five, six years old. Focused on a goal. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so Christmas rolls around. I had the thousand saved up and my parents bought me a a safe for the card. Like that was my Christmas present was a safe for it. So, (laughs) but, but, but that's how much I cared about basketball, you know? And so I was, I, I knew pretty early on that I didn't have the genetics, you know, like my dad hadn't even played high school basketball. You know, I, I knew it was like a, a long shot kind of thing. And so I knew I'd have to work harder, but like I said, the methods weren't really there in terms of here's education on how to protect and bulletproof your knees. So I, I basically just destroyed my knees at a much earlier age. So I maybe, maybe by 18, maybe I had the knees of, I get people reaching out all the time in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, who have had, you know, multiple different surgical alterations, chronic issues, stuff like that. And, and when I see younger ones doing it, you know, with those same issues, like I had, it's usually these kind of underdog characters who are having to work extra hard. Sure. So that's why now I try to educate that people can do something about it. Obviously there's still the whole medical side, but what's interesting is that now I've used my work ethic to bulletproof my knees. So you can work, you can use your work ethic to help or harm yourself in, in, you know, pretty much any area of of your life. So you you can actually through work ethic alone, you can actually earn yourself more protected and less painful knees. Well, I got to ask, did you keep the Michael Jordan card? Cause I know know they're they're worth a lot. You know, it's really funny. I have a very trusting, you know, personality and, uh, Somewhere along the line, having sleepovers at my house or whatever, maybe when I was about 13, it got stolen. Oh, my gosh. Oh. And I don't know who it was, and I never bothered to point fingers, or I just let it go. You know, I have a – I've learned over the years I just have the ability to let it go. I think it's more about the – That speaks to your character, too. Yeah. It's more more about the pursuit. You know, I I think the the most fun thing for me was saving up and getting it, you know, so – I, I have to make comment too. You know, I, I I'm watching video of you playing basketball. You're not only have good leaping ability, you're very quick. It looks like you're very, you, you know, you, it, it looks like it probably improved your quickness too. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I appreciate that. And it's the same. Like if you look at like, I'm not Michael Jordan, but compared to what my genetics were, I made my body more like a Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan, it wasn't just about the dunking. He was able to shift left right. to right better than, you know, um, you know, when, when you build your knees in a balanced way, it's not like you're, it's not like you're only going to jump higher. It's just that the, a 10 foot rim and dunking and statements about that gives people sort of a measurable, right? To, exactly. you know, so that the dunking sells because it, it's something that we all understand and that we, that we know. Right. I would have been so all over this when I was young. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was the same obsession with me, you know, basketball oh, that's awesome. and, yeah. So can you talk about what kind of clients have you seen for, uh, with your program? Yeah. So it started out with young athletes with knee pain. So even when I was in college and starting to get results on my own knees, um, I was helping people every off season and I was helping local kids. And I had this little troop of, of, you know, kids, you know, kids with knee pain would flock to me and stuff. And, sure. and that's kind of how I, I grew up my clientele pretty much on young basketball players with knee pain. But then, you know, they started talking to other people and then kind of out of nowhere, I got a shot with an NFL player who was coming off of an, a full Achilles tear. And so when it, when it comes to addressing the knee, I actually start from the foot and the ankle, basically, 
So sure. we're not trying to build like you're not trying to build rocket knees on weak ankles. Otherwise, you could actually be creating shin splints and creating Achilles risk and things like that. So sure. we want to yep. build we want to build from the ground up. So I got this chance to work with him that led to more NFL players. Then I started just getting people, random people of all ages with knee pain, 80 year old women, you know, really? would come in. Yeah. And, and like, I, I, there's this concept that comes from, uh, that comes from the Chinese of walking backwards for knee health. Now I wouldn't call that a, a powerful method, but I would say that if you add up all those steps backwards and if someone goes in front of the mirror and takes one step backwards, your knee is over your toe. Right. And, and backward walking has been a good effective uh, screening process, like for falling and elderly. It's like the most, the most basic level of knees over toes strengthening would be walking backwards. Now, if you could walk backwards, well, then you could probably resist backwards stepping back onto a one inch step, or maybe on, maybe you could drag one pound backwards, right? If you could walk backwards, you could probably drag an empty sure. sled backwards. But with some of these older people, I would actually have to stand on one side of the sled and, and push it for them until they could do it themselves. And I would have to set up assistance where maybe they couldn't even step up backwards at all, but with assistance from the arms. So they could do it at some level. So that's, that's really, and then I started to notice that with the weakest athletes, they would make way better progress by just finding that perfect pain-free level, no matter how bad it appeared. Sometimes you get a, you know, a, a six foot 10 basketball player whose knees are weaker than my mom's like, no joke. Like they can't even, they sure. can't even squat. They can't bend their knees all the way down and come back up without excruciating pain without any weight, you know? So, right. So if someone on the street, you know, said, Ben, you have 10 seconds to say anything. You're never going to speak for the rest of your life. What would you say? I would say, understand that knee exercises have three levels loaded, unloaded, and then assisted. You can save millions of knees help, you know, and then that would be the last <laughs> thing I ever got to say. So when you understand that you actually can do the things that you want to be able to do that physiotherapy testing shows like that. Okay. Someone who whose ankle can't bend as far or who's weaker on a step down test or the, you know, these things that we know we want to have even the weakest of the weak really can do them just like somebody else, just at a different level, just like not everyone has the same degree of bench press strength, but you wouldn't say, Oh, this person just can never do a push-up." You know what I mean? And this, like right. anyone can get stronger, anyone can adapt, but for the knees, there definitely was not like a popular system of doing this without a lot of risk, you know? Yeah. I've I started on the treadmill like you've shown, uh, you, you mentioned using a treadmill without the power on. Yeah. And that works really well. And it, it's nice. Quite a workout. It, it balances you too. And yep. my concern with the elderly would be they walk backwards. They might fall while they're walking backwards. They gotta, yeah. They would want to find, um, you'll often find places out, uh, nature walks or different places where there's a nice railing. Oh, sure. You know? So you'd have a, you'd have a railing, but yeah, but like you're saying, it's, you know, society's not really set up for this kind of stuff. Gyms aren't set up for it. So that's, that's why I'm still a busy guy. You know, I'm, I'm trying to put, you know, I'm trying to help put all these things in place, you know, to make, to make these things common knowledge so that people, you know, it's each year that risk is going to be coming down as the education comes up on it. 
Well, you've done that because you basically you have all the information on videos, correct? That are free to everybody. Yeah. Yep. What, who is it, the person that should maybe sign up for your program? You have the ATG, the athletic. Yeah. So I, I just have one thing. I, yeah, I just have one thing I do and everything I've, you know, done and found that works and, and polished is always available in the most, you know, present up-to-date form online in exact, you know, steps. Sure. I would kind of compare it to, um, really financially, everyone's in a different position. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like if I kept, if I didn't teach anything for free and only had, you know, like my, my concept is kind of like a library. So my goal is to educate for free, but then the act, like an actual like program and coaching. So from day one, I didn't want to deliver anything online because I was so worried about people doing the form, right? So I said to do the, to, to do it online, I have to see people's form. Right. So I was using like messenger and stuff and, and coaching people that way. And then now there's like apps that do this. So me and my team coach thousands of videos a week of people sending their, their form video so that it would kind of create the same quality form as in person. Now people vary. Some people get the form right without sending in videos. So it's like, it's not like, it's not like you have to, sure. but for a lot of people. And I mean, for myself included, I had to go pay, you know, thousands of dollars right. for people who were doing these different tools to find out that my form was incorrect and get, so if I was messing up the form, how could I honestly just put out, you know, something without form coaching? Now I definitely go to, to painstaking efforts to teach the form the best I can, but I just try to cast a big net on it. And really, I think what supports my business is people who would like to get the fullest data on it, you know, and who even some people have been helped by some of the free stuff and they just want to kind of flow back. So there's definitely, there's definitely a karma thing that I've learned that I can try to just educate as much as I can for free, help people as much as I can, and it'll end up coming back to me you know that's the so, same philosophy we have yeah my goal my gravestone you know he helped as many people as he could help and and you're that's the measurement of a life in yeah. my opinion it is me too and um so would your trainers also help them maybe uh guide them in the progression of it like tell them yeah ah, you maybe should back off a little bit or or exactly. is it mostly form or uh, no, it's, it's thousands of messages and thousands of videos. It's pretty balanced. You know, that having someone to communicate with can make a massive yeah, it difference. It really can. And again, people really vary. Some people may even work better without that. Whereas for others, they may really not have much of a chance without someone to guide them, you right. know? So, right. So as long as it's there and it's affordable, there's not like a monthly. So it's like if a kid was 12, 13 years old and could only save up, my first month is half off and that's intentional. Sure. So if someone wants to be the people who are really lifetime members, I feel like that's actually what supports the business financially. Sure. Whereas, whereas, so someone just staying on and just supporting the business, that's huge for making it, making us able to do our jobs at the bottom end of that if the kid has to mow some lawns and can save up for one month, then he could just, you know, for 25 bucks, 
could change the rest of his life. So it's, I can go to sleep well at night like that. We're doing well. So I, I don't, I guess I'm, I'm not constantly churning to think like, how do I extract, you know, right. even more profit? I feel like there's a, I feel like, I feel like life has to be balanced. And exactly. if you get a little too obsessed on the money, I don't know. I feel like it might even go the other way, you know? Exactly. So, you know, well, I'm going to mention your website right now, if that's okay. Um, so it's www. And it's also going to be in the you know comments below and such. ATG, and so that, again, that's uh, Athletic Truth Group. Yeah, that's what I created. My business is Athletic Truth Group, okay. and it's ATGOnlineCoaching.com. Okay, got it. And then you have a, the YouTube channel, of course, the knees yep. over toes guy. Yeah, knees have, over toes guy. And you have Instagram. Yep. And a, and a TikTok, which funny enough, like a, oh. a 50, a 55 year old reached out today with a massive win on his knees off TikTok. Oh my so gosh. Like, I, you know, we started uh, on TikTok too, believe it or not. And, uh, I mean, you wouldn't think we're old people. Uh, I am. And, but we're at 55,000 people are following us. I mean, that's strange, but if you're going to make a video for YouTube, which I think YouTube is the smartest place because right. people are interested in being educated. So like on TikTok, I get the wildest comments, you know, that are not always <laughs> tasteful. Um, oh, yeah. You know, TikTok, you have probably the highest concentration of 13, 14 year olds exactly. who just learned about cuss words and a bunch of other stuff. Sure. <laughs> so, so but if you're going to make a piece of content for YouTube, you know, for anyone out there who's trying to grow social media, and, and I don't have the level of followers that you do, but I've been able to grow pretty quickly. And if you're going to take the time to make a helpful piece of content for YouTube, you probably could, could channel that same piece exactly. of content and make a version for Instagram and for TikTok. And that could really help take a lot of the stress off, I think, for someone. Exactly. Exactly. Good, good point. No, I want to, you have some products for sale too, or no, not? I don't sell any products. You don't sell any products. I'm sorry. Nope. And I actually, I actually insist on not making a dime off any product. So I don't have any discount codes that I get any, I get zilch from anywhere, just my online coaching, but wow. I promote products of people who are making this stuff that makes it easier to do my system. Sure. But that way it keeps it, it keeps it like I can just promote what clean. I think is going to help people. Exactly. So I have, um, I can send you my equipment list. So I have a list with all the links of everything I use. It's been read over 600,000 times. Oh, so wow. who knows what I could have made on that. But honestly, karma wise, probably people maybe who wouldn't have tried it. Maybe they got a piece of equipment and were like, oh, wow, this is actually working. Maybe I'll do the program. So who knows? Things, things work out when you, when you help people, it, it ends up going okay. So I'm, I'm, my admiration for you is growing by the minute. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, well, we're probably just pretty, you know, we've probably come to pretty similar conclusions. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's go over to uh, a kind of a different section here now. So, yeah. you know, why are knees over toes recommended, you know, and I want to talk about your beliefs. Now yep. you kind of know the date where this first was st stated, right? That, yeah. And, and I don't know if that's the only accurate way of describing it, but it does appear that there was a study in the seventies that determined that when your knee goes over your toes, it puts more pressure on your knees. So I think that 
was interpreted as, okay, don't let your knees over your right. toes. Now, there's also nothing better about knees over toes than not knees over toes. You would want to be capable in both positions, meaning like to target your glutes and your back and stuff. Then I actually coach exercises where you intentionally have your knees behind your toes, you know? So, sure. uh, so it, it's not like, it's not an extremist approach. I would actually just say it's more of an extremist approach to say, don't let your knees over your toes. So you can do a lot of good with your knees behind your toes. However, when you go down steps, when you try to jump, like no, no 40 inch vertical in NFL combine history did not have knees over toes. So if you don't have that naturally, if you already have knee pain and knee surgeries, so I'm not advising someone with no knee pain and say, you better do as hard as you can knees over toes. No, but for really, I'm, I'm out there for the hopeless and the broken who think, and I have thousands, 2,095 success stories of people who were in a hopeless situation thinking, I count a success story when someone thinks I won't be able to play my sport again. I haven't been able to go up and down the stairs without pain for years. I can't get down and play with my kids. So I'm there for the hopeless and broken. If someone wants to, to take that even further, go for it, you know, sure. and at least if I, at least if I lay it out in, in simple, you know, ways of understanding, then someone without knee pain could still apply it at the level they feel, you know, is sensible for them. But without doubt, I, I'm out there, you know, for the hopeless and the broken who literally can't get to that unless they understand knees over toes training. Well, I think gave, the best example you gave is it's going to happen. Like in basketball, it's going to happen frequently and it's going to be in uh, uncontrolled circumstances where in training, yep. you can do it in controlled circumstances. So, yep. I mean, it makes complete sense. So um, your success rate, as you alluded to, uh, how many, I, I mean, I don't ask for a number here, but like the percentage of people are older. I mean, let's say you have the. It's pretty balanced now. I mean, oh, really? We have people in their 70s, 80s. I'm trying to think if anyone 90, I think 91. I've, yeah, someone in their, in their 90s. I'd say it's really balanced because, because I think more older people are on social media now. And I think also sure. more younger people, I think more younger people who have older people in their lives. Sure. and feel bad about what they're going through, see this and go, well, shit, my grandma could start doing that exercise. You know, right. um, this, this tibialis bar that I promote, which is just, uh, it's like if you, it's like a bicep curl, but for your, for your ankle dorsiflexion, for those tibialis muscles, which helps reduce the, the impact when we're landing and walking and, and decelerating and I mean, there's, there's no age that you can't do that because you can start it at, at zero pounds, you know? So the tibialis, not, you're not talking I'll send about you the, one of those. It's not the monkey. The monkey foot is different. Oh. And I would say it's more like secondary knee pull up reverse, meaning the monkey foot allows us to attach a weight to our foot to strengthen our hip flexors, which can be important because like I used to have no quad and hamstring muscles. Now, I've got some pretty decent quad and hamstring muscles popping there. So if I'm going to add weight and muscle, and it doesn't mean it like, you know, 
muscle doesn't just spring up overnight, you know, right. and I don't, ha- I don't have like big thighs, but compared to what they were, I have a lot more muscle on my quads and hamstrings. And if you're going to alter one area of the body, now let's imagine if my hip flexors did not change in strength, that would be a problem for running. I could be risking hip injury and I could also struggle from slow feet, meaning a powerful explosion when I try to push off the ground to get going. But when you reach top speed for athletes, the hip flexor becomes one of those deciding factors for people. I've so, seen that too. Yeah. So this was a, this was a constant problem because again, you know, gyms are not necessarily set up to, to resist that kind of stuff with a, with a measurable weight. I like, for me, everything has to be measurable in some way, shape or form to know progress. And so, so the monkey foot is awesome. And I also think if your leg now literally feels lighter for you to lift up, you notice that your running mechanics become smoother. You become less of a thudder and more of a glider. And so we see like over the course of seasons, people doing the hip flexor strengthening, it's like their knees, they feel like they didn't go through a season compared to people with weaker hip flexors. And, And I know not to get too complicated here, but everything has to balance out in, in some way. So we're trying to strengthen those hip flexors, but at the same time, the way that we do split squats, which is like a common exercise, we do the split squat with full coverage of the front hamstrings over the calves, which makes it rather than an up and down motion, it becomes a diagonal motion. And what that means is for the back leg, instead of the back leg going up and down and achieving you know, a decent hip flexor stretch, it stretches back. So, so I can, I can do the front splits cold any time of day. I can do a front. That's amazing. And I, I don't stretch. Yeah, I actually, I don't stretch my hip flexor squats. So with, again, I had to start those assisted. So I couldn't even do that with my own body weight. And I was very, very stiff so i had to elevate the front foot so that the back leg angle was rather than here was maybe like here so over time of reducing the assistance and handling your own body weight you are adding load to those hip flexors compared to just a passive stretch which is fine i have nothing against passive stretching but the next level would be something where we're actually loading the tissues through the stretch position now i can do that I'm talking more like a maximum, but I can do that with a bar on the front with hundred percent of my body weight on it. Wow. So I don't even, I don't do traditional squats or deadlifts. I actually only do basically physiotherapy type exercises on that scale of assisted to unassisted handling your own body weight to then load it. So like the very thing that got you out of pain and physiotherapy, what if you actually just tried to keep getting stronger? So that, that was also kind of a novice thing that I turned my whole system. I don't do that to prep for a regular. I don't do a regular split squat. I don't do a regular squat. Yeah. Um, I'm I just a, do these and I think that's how athletic. Sure. I'm, I'm going to make a couple points here. Um, one, um, you, you mentioned tibialis. You're talking about the anterior tibialis, not the posterior yep, tibialis. Yep. Uh, just yep. to, distinguish now i want to go right back to even the you know the knees over the toes when somebody made that proclamation 
And I, I, I heard you mention this before too, and I've heard it, read it too. And in fact, heard the guy, um, the guy who invented the rice technique, rest, yeah. you know, uh, rest, ice, compression, ice elevation. Compression. Yeah. He's backing off on that too. He, he yeah. The, the very guy who made that, he has backed off on that and is more a fan of motion yes, exercise exactly. heat. Now I, I feel like, I feel like if you look at that spectrum, I feel like the rest and the icing side would relate more to like an, an acute, you know, thing right. that happened. And the more chronic it is, well, the more we actually have to move and, and change those tissues and actually icing and resting, I feel like is a death wish for a chronic issue. That's, that's what I, I, there's a video out there where, uh, on Kelly Starrett, do you know him? Yep. The supple- of course. Uh, legend. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Legend. And he had a, a guy on it and Kelly's fallen that example now of no ice, even for acute. Yeah. I mean, crazy, but. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That might be a little I radical, mean, but it's, it's something to think about. Yeah. I, I wouldn't make someone make a painful decision. So right. I feel like, I feel like if an acute thing happened that you are in pain, I feel like it would be smarter to get out of pain. Now, if something is, is chronic, then really like you, how you said, how you, you know, turning the treadmill off and then trying to get it spinning backwards. Right. I mean, I've had thousands reach out with chronic issues saying that that makes the pain go away better than ice and stuff. So if we compare that, exactly, if ice, if ice numbs it, so you don't feel the pain, but it's not making you stronger, it's not getting, you know, it's not regenerating you know, those tissues, it's not signaling you to be more protected. Um, whereas the other way around, we can just put win, win, win of, of getting blood flow and strengthening without pain at the same time. So this, this concept of going backwards is really like the foundation of my system. That's like the bedrock is like, let's get, let's increase pain-free strength backwards and, and walking backwards would be excellent but dragging a sled backwards or uh moving the treadmill that's turned off backwards those would really be the two most common methods that we're referring to and going until you get going until you get a really good pain-free burn not to mention for people with chronic issues that can be a game changer to now get the body prepared to go into more so that the second level up is then actually working that tibialis muscle because it's so painless and it's just it's just directly reducing how much impact is going to come up through those knees. Plus, as we keep progressing and want to get that ankle mobility, I find it's very hard to force more ankle mobility when you're not getting strong on the muscles on the front side. A bodybuilder wouldn't do only triceps and never biceps. He right. would, you know, anyone would look in and say, well, you're doing, you're doing only triceps and you've never trained your bicep, of course, your elbow is going to be out of whack or whatever. So with the ankle, if we never stretch and strengthen those muscles on the front side of the ankle, then we can really be limiting how much ankle mobility we can get into. And it it just kind of, if you imagine, if you, if you imagine running as fast as you could and then having to stop, and if you were to watch that in slow motion and we reach that heel out and now the heel hits the ground, right? the amount of tibialis strength we have, how hard is our foot going to get slammed? So chronic foot pains, 
every step you take out in life, if you're, if you're developing all the other muscles of your body, but not your anterior tibialis, your right. foot is going to take more impact than your body was designed to have. And then if your ankle, whatever your ankle can't handle, like theoretically, if your ankle was strong enough, you'd stop right then and there. But if we watch a deceleration, we see that the ankle starts trying and then the knee comes in. So whatever that ankle can't handle is shooting right up to the knee. So yeah, yeah. in fact, very good clinicians um, will always say there's three joints. You got the hip joint, the knee joint and the ankle joint and the knee joints, the weakest link. And so the hip and the knee are going to affect the middle I mean, child the hip and ankle are going to affect the knee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, I mean, if you saw that, that split squat I did, I can't even get into that position without the ankle and the hip mobility. Right. So the ankle and the hip mobility then allow the knee to function and develop really beautifully. If I couldn't bend my hip, my knee would be screwed. If I couldn't bend my ankle, my knee would be screwed. So we exactly. kind of go from this, we go from this backward, which there's no eccentric loading, which is awesome, but not just in trying to get like out you know, of just getting going backwards. All of us from growing up in sports and life, we've done too much forwards and muscles sure. and it's from the feet if you look when we walk forwards walking and running forwards when we stop it's almost like how much force can we throttle into our ankles and knees when you walk backwards it's much more active it's not passive starting from your big toe and then your ankle and your knee you're loading and strengthening so like you could imagine if for someone who for someone that none of this is making sense find the biggest hill near you and go up it backwards as fast sure. as you can right so but most of us have not put in the time on all those reversal muscles. So knee pain is almost going to be a math equation of, well, what's your lifestyle? How much force are you putting in forwards versus how much reversal strength do you have? So it's really a nice little math equation there. And, and that's where everyone's going to have a different lifestyle. So if you're like a, a basketball player, most basketball players actively have knee pain, but in other sports, you know, maybe for a golfer, a golfer might be less likely to have knee pain, but maybe if they had some past injury, right. You know, and, and then, you know, so pain knee surgeries can happen to just about anybody, but obviously certain pursuits in life are going to have more knee demands than others. Yeah. It's funny. My uh, daughter was having trouble with foot pain and we found out it was her calf. You know, if, if there's not mobility in the calf, it's got to go somewhere and it went to the foot yep. and she stretched yep. her calf and worked her calf and, and it uh, got better immediately. But, you know, I, you were cut out a little bit with the, uh, oh. with the stretching thing. Now you really don't do stretching per se, but you do like the split squat. You're really doing stretching. I mean, you're it's exactly. Kind of, yeah. It's contract, relax, stretching. Exactly. Really. Oh yeah. Big time. So, um, so like my philosophy on flexibility is just that I don't think of strength and flexibility as two different things. Every stretch and every exercise, every strength exercise has some degree of load, Got it. some degree of range, some degree of range of motion. Got it. Yeah. Even a passive stretch has some degree of load. Sure. Even a bench press has some degree of range of motion. Meaning yes. if I, now, now my philosophy when I was coaching high school football team, I went to a local steel company and I had special bars made so that they couldn't even get 
the bar to the chest because the bar went out so far from their chest. So oh, they would sure. still work their bench press, but through a full range of motion. And then I would attach chains on the bar so they could go all the way down. But then as they were, were weaker all the way down. And then as they would fire out the chains lift off the ground and it gets heavier. So they're pressing the same amount they can bench sure. press at the top, but they're opening up their pec mobility at the bottom. And we got rid of everyone's shoulder pain by restoring that range of motion. So I just find that for most people, you're going to need to start with passive stretching, which like I said, is some degree of loading. And then if we can progress from that passive stretch um, or, or let's just call it a, you know, a static stretch. Like we all think sure. of like a, like yeah. a stretch, like just holding a stretch. If you go on a slant board and you just hold that stretch for your calf and you contract the tibialis muscle on the front, and you just hold that for 60 seconds, three sets of that can totally unlock someone's ankle mobility. But what's going to keep us from tightening back up over again and stuff like that would now be actually doing strength exercises from those ranges gotcha. of motion. So yeah. that, that's, kind of my, that's kind of my philosophy on it is I'm not anti-strength. I'm not anti-flexibility. And I look at any human motion is some degree of stretch and some degree of load, even if it doesn't seem challenging on either end. And where we can make those two kind of meet in harmony, I find we get like ridiculous bulletproofing effects when we can actually get a safe load through a stretched position. What um, this kind of brings me to the question, what are the areas of the body do you address? Because obviously you deal with knees, but Full and, body. ankles and hips. And so do you do the neck? Uh, all right. Good question. I would say the only two that are not like staple parts of my system are neck and wrist. And for those, I have special videos and, and programs for neck and wrist. Um, so like, like the neck, if you take one of those head harnesses and you work on a cable machine, the classic one would be working the extension, but you could turn the other way and work the flexion. And you could also then resist it here. And you could work turning that way. You could work turning that way. And you could even, if you hold that, that neck harness on tight, you can even work twisting sure. and you can get that with measurable. Load. So, so there's going to be like, you know, six basic neck motions. Now, again, I'm not saying anything as an absolute, someone else could have a, a system just as good or, or better, but that's just an example. But I don't make everyone work out the neck. I don't make everyone work out the wrist, but the, the, the wrist kind of naturally will have some degree of good mobility and strength from doing the exercises. Right. The, and same with the neck based on the different pullover exercises we do and stuff. Your neck and wrist will have a decent baseline from doing the system, which addresses ankles, knees, hips, spine, quadratus, lumborum, all through the spine and, and shoulders and elbows, you'll have a decent base. For someone like a baseball player, I would be doing extra wrist work. Same thing with your wrist. You know, you have the good old flexion extension, but I've trained tons of baseball players with chronic elbow pain, and they're not working with a Thor's hammer and working pronation sure. and supination and then having it straight, you know, the arm straight down and working, working ulnar and radial, you know, so you can load six different motions really easily on the wrist. So I even have that one as a, as a free article online. So, so yeah, in my system, it's ankles, knees, hips, spine, shoulders, elbows, but 
I do have solutions for those who need extra neck and wrist, which is not everyone. So I'm not, I'm not going to force people to do tedious wrist and, and neck work if they don't need it. So if the 50 year old person comes in and they're having just knee problems, you're going to work ankle and hip, but you're also going to work shoulder or not. I mean, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, in all my programs, we work lower body and that's including ankles, knees, hips, and, and some of the spine stuff that connects down into the hamstrings. Gotcha. gotcha. Tuesday, Thursday is really just focusing on mobility and shoulders and elbows. And, and so an extra, extra back stuff more like for the upper back. So, you know, the same kind of person who's going to have knee pain. Well, they're still going to have the other days of the week. I don't want them, you know, getting shoulder pain, you know, on their, so I, I put stuff there. I used to only sure. deliver, I used to only deliver the knees, but you can imagine I have a thousand questions a day. What should I do for this? What should I do for that? So it's pretty gentle. The goals are not extreme. Sure. Uh, every, everything still is on that scalable, you know, that, that really scalable concept. But yes, we're also going for, you know, bulletproof back and, and shoulders and elbows. And I like that. I personally like that balance because for people who have had knee pain, having three days really working from the ground up and then only a couple shorter sessions on the upper body keeps a nice balance. So we're getting a lot more volume coming from the ground up. Ben, would you mind mentioning what is the average time commitment uh, per day? For, for I this. try to tailor every workout so it doesn't take longer than 30 minutes. Oh, so, nice. yeah, I mean, someone could go longer than that. And I'm often working on like bonus options and finishers, you know, for the person who wants to do more. Number one, I mean, I'm life is long. So like, if I can get the results in 30 minute sessions that then we can recover from better, like, could you do it every day on your legs? You could, but we do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday and leave. Tuesday, Thursday, and weekends to rest the legs and the knees. Sure. So like you could do it an hour, you could do it every day, but I feel like you would be increasing risk. And if anything, you know, get out of the muck. And then maybe as you're getting more bulletproof, like I'll, I'm starting to work on like some extra 10 minute finishers for, you know, I, okay, I'm crushing my 30 minute sessions. Sure. I want like an extra finisher. I don't want to break down. I want to keep bulletproofing, but I do want to, you know, really have that gassed feeling, you know, at the end of a session. So, uh, and plus you could, yeah, that, you could do other baseline. training with your program. It, um, exactly. You have time. I train, to right. I train ultra marathon runners. The ultra marathon runner already has so much to do that if I'm going more than 30 minutes in a session, I just don't know if that's going to be realistic to follow. Right, exactly. I also train, I also train power lifters. One of my favorite weeks, a couple of weeks ago, I helped a power lifter. He squatted over a thousand pounds for the first oh time in gosh. his life. And, wow. and he had been stuck at like 875 with knee pain. So he used these exercises to then be able to do his power lifting. And, and if you know power lifters, they spend half an hour on their accessory work. You know, right. they, they do auxiliary exercises. So this formed his auxiliary exercises for his power lifts. And, and in that same week, helped one of these ultra, I forget what it was, like 100 miles or something. Right. And he was able to do it without knee pain, which, which for him was like the first time he'd ever done one of these ultras 
without his knees breaking down, you know? So, but, but I feel like we're all somewhere on that spectrum. I'm a, you know, I'm a new father with a nine month old. And if my workout has to go long, if I'm going to be missing key ingredients, that it's going to take me longer than 30 minutes. I don't know if I'd even be able to follow my own system, you know? Sure. Um, Ben, would you mind giving your website and YouTube channel Instagram again? Um, yep. Because yep. it's kind of a separate section here. Sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, atgonlinecoaching.com is the website. That's the only place that I work. And then I try to put out quote unquote, you know, library philosophy, educate. Uh, I try to educate daily. I was traveling, had a little lull, so I was maybe doing three videos a week, but I, I usually am trying to put out seven videos, seven educational videos a week on my YouTube, the Knees Over Toast guy, and then I'll put pieces of those that are, you know, maybe bite-sized pieces that people on Instagram and TikTok will have the attention span for. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> which is a big issue nowadays. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, okay, I'm going to ask you, are you opposed to foam rollers or um, massage guns or... Um, do you I, feel they aren't needed I, or? So I think that there's a lot of different, um, pieces of the puzzle and you have nutrition and you have, there's chiro, even chiropractic and there's, you know, there, there's, um, like you said, foam rollers, you know, uh, soft tissue treatment. There's, there's a lot of the puzzle. I don't do any of these things. I don't take any supplements. I don't, I used to take like some pre-workout, which I actually, I really enjoyed. You know, I, I, I love the company that, that, um, there's a company called Legion supplements. I don't get any kickbacks or anything. Sure. But like I took their pre-workout. I think that probably helped me mentally to, to, you know, to train, but I don't even take, I don't take any supplements anymore. I definitely don't take any supplements joints. So I look at it. I, if I took for my joint, that would directly reduce my knowledge of how effective my program is. Gotcha. If I foam rolled even one, that would directly reduce my search of what my program is doing for me. So if gotcha. people who follow me on social media, I've been going, I've been going a few years now that I put my knees to the test seven days a week and I don't do anything for recovery. I don't do literally any kind of recovery or treatment thing that you could name, it would all be a no to. I only do my 30 minute sessions, literally nothing else. And, and I feel like that's what's made my program really well. So the truth is, I don't know if it would work better with those things because that's not my, my role. Gotcha. But if, if other sense. people, yeah, yeah, if other people master these other things, well, then, then someone can come in, I feel like, and get. Like imagine if I tried to play basketball, not do any exercise and just use recovery tools, that would make me the best at, at that. Right. So makes it, sense. You know, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully that, that explains it. Yep, that so goes. I don't, I, I can't pretend to be an expert and give an opinion on whether they work or not. I'd be, right. I'd be a, a, a hypocrite if I tried to pretend that I was an expert on any kind of recovery or even joint supplements or anything like that. Uh, I have to be honest, I'm not a supplement fan either, but that's neither here nor Let, Let's go to another section, if you still have time. Yep. The, the, you know, again, as you were obsessed with it, I was obsessed with it. You know, how to increase your vertical, become quicker yep. and faster. Yep. 
So how would, you know, what's the typical exercise and progression for a, a young, healthy adult um, who may or may not have knee injuries, um, but wants to jump higher and wants to be quicker? Well, I, I can even go, um, I can even start, you know, straight from uh, exercise science itself and, and give it its credit. A study was done just last year and it analyzed different squat depths on athleticism and knee pain and it found that full range of motion squats led to more athleticism more vertical increase and less knee pain so i guess the way i would liken it is okay to jump higher your body has to be lighter for you to lift into the air so you have to change your strength pound for pound meaning if your body gets lighter for your legs essentially vertical is going to be about 85% legs and and core and maybe about 15% the shoulder swing. Sure. So, so if we can increase that strength, theoretically, we can jump higher, right? Now, when it comes to real sporting activity, most people are trying to do that just through squat and deadlift and Olympic lift type movements. So they're not really loading the ankle. But when you try to go with a running start, now the ankle gets loaded tremendously. So right. I've even seen people increase like a standstill vertical and lose inches on their running start sure. vertical. Yep. So if we think about jumping up, but then in sport, there's this out characteristic. So the ankle, things like a Nordic hamstring curl probably relates very little to jumping straight up, but relates so much to jumping horizontally. I would call the Nordic, the bench press of long jump. So gotcha. uh, just, just one example there that I love is Jonathan Edwards his world record still stands in the triple jump. Now he won, he finally won the gold medal at 34 years old. The guy had gray hair. He did Nordics for 20 years. He did them once a week. He could do them like pushups. And, and when I've trained triple jumpers and long jumpers and these kind of people compared to a regular human, they can do Nordics like freaking pushups. I even trained the fastest guy in major league baseball, $365 million contract. From day one, he could do Nordics like other people can do push-ups. So in terms of going horizontal, that Nordic becomes really hugely important. And I mentioned Jonathan Edwards. His, the orthopedic specialist in England told him that he couldn't even be a triple jumper. They said that genetically it was impossible for him to be a triple jumper. He wound up having the fastest entrance speed in triple jump history, and his world record still stands from the 90s. And you're not supposed to win a gold medal at 34 years old in your fourth try at the Olympics. You're supposed to be going downhill, especially right. in a sport like triple jump, exactly. which is elastic as can be. And his trainer, now keep in mind, we still can't see life through a straw. His whole sport means you go as fast as you can and you jump as far as you can. He never has to stop. So even his training, you would probably screw up if you tried to only do his training and apply it to basketball because basketball, you're then stopping, 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 stopping. Gotcha. So there definitely were some things missed out in terms of going up, but he did it right in terms of going out and his trainer kept improving his pound for pound strength. So uh, those are Ben, yep. can they go to your channel and type in Nordics and type in what yeah, is I, I, mean, I, you... I mean, if you go on YouTube and you search how to do a Nordic hamstring curl, my video comes up first. Gotcha. 
I go all the way back. That exercise was first published in 1880. So I'm not perfect, but I make a lot of efforts to put out, you know, the history on different exercises and some of these outlier exercises. And what's amazing about the Nordic is that a Nordic bench itself is actually quite a cheap piece of equipment. I mean, you could get 10 Nordic benches for the price of like a brand new hamstring curl machine and they work in different ways. So the hamstring curl is awesome. I use that monkey foot device for the hamstring curl right. because it allows the fullest range of motion. There's, there's no pad. There's no pad to cut off your range of motion. Right. Plus it's like 60 bucks and it turns any dumbbell. And if you know machines, they vary from brand to brand. So it's very hard to measure your strength on a machine if that's compared to anyone else. So anyways, that monkey foot allows, allows leg curls. But if you look at the Nordic and you look at a leg curl, the very position where a leg curl gets hardest there's actually no load in the Nordic when you're resting on your knees about gotcha. to start. There's no load. So this is called the long range exercise, meaning when you do the Nordic, it gets harder as you approach that, that extended position. And that's, if you look at when we run and jump, that's really where, you know, the knee is being loaded. So I know I kind of went off topic in terms of vertical jump, but if we're talking jumping, it's really about the marriage of changing your relative strength with bulletproofing your body. And so a lot of people lose sight. Last thing I'll say, you know, on that, on that jumping concept is like, we think of training the muscles. Okay. Which muscles are involved in jumping? Well, no matter what muscles we name, our muscles pound for pound are weaker than our tendons. Michael Jordan winning his slam dunk championships was not made in the weight room. He was winning those slam dunk championships before he even met Tim Grover. No offense to Tim Grover, but we sure. get a very, we get, we get confused because the number one selling vertical jump book of all time with Michael Jordan's cover on the picture, but Michael Jordan jumped his highest before he ever started lifting weights. Sure. It's right there on the tape. He was back to back slam dunk champion. His head was getting higher in relation to the rim than any other point of his career before he ever lifted weights. Gotcha. So, so my philosophy is to lift weights in a tendon dominant fashion. So you see me doing these knees over toes exercises right before we hopped on it today. I had a six inch box. I had a slant board. I'm standing with my heel elevated on the slant board and I'm doing a reverse step up and I'm getting as strong as I can. So I'm taking two concepts that come from physiotherapy research papers, reverse step-ups and slant boards. And I'm turning that into my, you know, deadlift or whatever you want to call it. I'm turning a tendon dominant, a knee bulletproofing exercise into my strength exercise. That's not for everyone. That's the same concept. If I lowered, lowered, lowered that box and used assistance, anyone who can walk can get a more stable and stronger and more protected knee. So the same concept that I would use to give someone the ability to go down steps is the exact same concept that's allowing me to just keep jumping higher. I have this outlier, I have this outlier genetic jump change, but no one's ever tried to get as strong on physiotherapy exercises as I've tried to do. So it's an outlier approach and I've had, you know, outlier results. So when, ben, when, I wonder, again, if you yep. give your website, I know I keep asking this, but we're splitting this into no, different great. videos. Yeah, it's yeah, great. If you give, because I, yeah, I think it's be a lot clearer to people when they can watch yep. some of your videos. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Denise over toast guy, Denise yeah. over toast guy on YouTube. 
the very video I was just talking about is being edited by my guy as we speak. So, and your uh, website? ATGOnlineCoaching.com. That's where I lay okay. out all this stuff. So I'm just mentioning a reverse step up with my heel elevated by a slant board on a six inch box loading, you know, over a hundred pounds on my back. Well, with that exercise, we're really driving up the maximum strength of the knee in the jumping angle, but that's not where I start. That's the second phase that I do because the first phase starts by addressing the ankle. You don't want to jack up your knee strength on top of a weak or stiff ankle. So the slant board stuff doesn't change your ankle mobility. It bypasses the ankle mobility and maximally trains the knee. So if you build that not on the ankle foundation, well, you could then be asking for shin splints or something like that. You wouldn't get as much result because when you jump, you then have to combine that knee strength with the ankle mobility, with the Achilles tendon elasticity. So, so yes, all, all this stuff is on videos on the knees over toes yeah, guy. YouTube. The, the point Ben is making here, you're not going to jump right into that exercise right away. You're going to start off in your beginning uh, exercises exactly. and don't go no pain. No, never I mean, work through pain, never work through pain. Right. But to uh, summarize my, if, yeah, but again, if I had to summarize down into 10 seconds, you know, if it was my last 10 seconds to ever speak about vertical jump, I would shout, go look up the most proven physiotherapy exercises for knee and Achilles bulletproofing, and then try to get the strongest in the world at those. Cause not that many people have really changed their genetic jumping. I have, I know what it's like to change my genetic jumping. And no other traditional methods and plyometrics works for me, like taking these bulletproofing exercises that most people would stop if they could do it with their own body, and then just trying to continue that strength progression. Yeah, let's 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 go to one more section here, uh, if we could. Yep. So let's do it. Let's say you have bad knees. You're age fifty or over. Um, yep. What's the approach with them? The knees over toes approach. What's what's um, and I know you've talked about some of this already, but please repeat uh, yeah. it uh, yeah, because I mean, this is going to be a, a separate section again. Yep. You're in your 50s, 60s, whatever. You, got, you have bad knees. All right. The first thing you do, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you start going for a 10-minute walk backwards. Now, if you can drag a sled of any kind, drag it. Try to get stronger during that 10 minutes. If you have a, a treadmill, that if you turn it off, that it supplies a little bit of resistance, which most treadmills do, then apply that resistance to it backwards. Never work through pain. Your entire intention the whole time is just to get stronger backwards. You're doing that three times a week. When you finish that, then you're immediately going to go train your anterior tibialis. And you can do that with just a wall is all you need. And again, if someone searches, uh, zero, which is like my body weight system, zero tibialis raise. It's a public video. So it'll come right up. I always make sure that the beginning safest steps are super, you know, publicly available. Sure. You would, you would start with those two things, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you would be reducing the impact into your knees, creating healing and strengthening and starting to open up and strengthen those ankles as well. Those are the, those are the first two steps. And I don't care if you're a grandma, or if you're Usain Bolt, if you want to yeah, get sure. you know more bulletproof knees, it's it's going to be the same concept because these drills all scale. So like with that tibialis raise against the wall, 
depending on how far you stand from the wall, it can go from being something that, you know, grandma might be able to do to something that for 25 reps would challenge, you know, even the strongest person in the world. And we want to emphasize a safety first. So if you're walking backwards and you tend to lose your balance, uh, yep. use a railing or find uh, a railing. Yeah. Yep. Um, it can be really good for that. They might have a railing, um, public parks. If the weather's good outside, you might find a railing. Um, sure. you could even have, you know, you could even, you could even have a younger, uh, partner, you know, maybe walk with you and kind of hold your hand or balance you. So those two would be phase one. Then we're going to phase two. That that's actually just the first two steps. I like 10 steps, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that starts, starts 10 steps with going, for phase one, basically. Phase one is 10 steps done Monday, sure. Wednesday, Friday. And the idea is to go from backwards to then that anterior tibialis. Then we start working into the feet and the soleus. And then, so basically we're, we're working that ankle mobility into then coming up to the knee and then going from the ankle and the knee to then opening up the hips and finishing down with some essentially stretches for the, for the hamstrings. And then, you know, um, but again, that's, that's a bit too complex to explain like, you know, all at right. once. Gotcha. And some, someone would at least, someone would at least want to start doing further studying to make, make sure they know, you know, the forms and, and of these different exercises. And that's where they should go to your website or to your videos because they, they can start educating themselves. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. And I would still say that, that all of these concepts are publicly taught in videos on my YouTube. Right. Um, I just have to be careful because again, again, my, my passion is coaching the form video. You know, that's my passion. I don't force them to do it, but my, my passion is seeing the form that I need the way I would coach them in person. When I coach people in person, I'm an absolute hawk. I'm down on my hands and knees coaching the form, you know? So, so that is, that is the, uh, the, the passion there, but someone could still, I think, you know, someone could still get educated, I think on all the, the concepts right off my YouTube. So, you know, let's say someone has torn cartilage, uh, maybe, a you know, yeah, the meniscus, uh, is wore way down still possibly will help them. So we definitely know that, that tendons can build, yes. obviously muscles can build. So if your muscles and tendons build, then to the degree that those go up, well, at least the symptoms would go down in terms of the cartilage. There's not enough research to just conclusively say, oh, you can regrow cartilage and this and that. Do I think that you could? I think you probably could based on my experiences. But again, this is probably the most active approach with incredible circulation going on. You know, so this is probably the most active approach there's been to knee pain. So these things that I'm doing and these things that, that I owe my knee transformation to, and that these wins are occurring from there hasn't, there hasn't been scientific testing on sure. now, all that being said, I don't even want to personally go into that field. Meaning I, my role is best, you know, basing things and teaching them on common sense, you know, right. just, um, just, trying to get something so simple 
that it's self-evident. Like that's my job. My job is to keep coming out every day and trying to teach something down to a level that it's so, you know, understandable that we don't even need to know the word cartilage and these kind of things. And then someone else in the medical side, in the academic side can spend the time on that. But I wouldn't be being truthful to what's gotten me this far. Like that is my role is just to focus on the common sense and the application. And then, I mean, all kinds of medical quote unquote miracles have occurred over these last three years of doing it. So how long would it take to determine if something could regrow? I mean, my God, to determine if something could regrow cartilage, the amount of scientific testing and biological samples. And I mean, that, that could take 10, 20 years, honestly, well, to do it right. Let's also put it this way. You don't necessarily have to regrow cartilage. I mean, it may not be causing your pain. It yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's, that's exactly. I would rather have you focus on achieving the quality of life that you want to have and mate, you know, it's, I'm entitled to have the viewpoint that I'm going to try to help someone achieve the quality of life that they want without attention to all the nomenclature involved, you know, like without all, you know, right. you don't have to have an academic background. You don't yes. have to know how to read a research paper. You don't, you know, um, that's just my role in the equation, you know, and if I'm channeling all my time into that, there's just not time for me to be doing cartilage samples on people, which I don't even know how, <laughs> I don't even know how that would be done. Well, I don't know. Nor, it's not necessary. I don't believe. Nor have I ever had my knees looked at since I was 19 years old, sure. you know, so now I'm 30. So if I didn't, I have to be true to what my process is, you know, and, and someone else can be, you know, true to what they're passionate about. And I do think there's people passionate about the research side, but again, kind of the foam rolling. I just, you know, I constantly look at, should I do this? Should I do that? And I always just come back to just staying in my lane, just totally stay in my lane. Sure. And I feel like I will serve society better by just being the best I can be in this lane. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the studies and, and this is in the therapy world has been brought up a thousand times is backs or knees or hips. You'll, you'll have two, you'll have 50 yep. people that, that have, you know, the uh, MRI and 25 of them don't have any pain, but they have worse knees than the people who, who have pain. It I mean, exactly. I think that's when I stopped looking at them, you know, when right, it was like, it's irrelevant. There's, yeah. So I, I would rather focus on getting people improving their pain-free ability. That's kind of like, what's my job. I improve how much measurable ability someone has without pain. That's I'm okay. If that's all I do, I don't have to prove anything. I just have to help people increase their pain-free ability. Well, I'm going to have it one more time. Give the website and the, yep. and the, the YouTube, YouTube channel. Yep. ATGOnlineCoaching.com. You can see all the programs from day one. You can progress at your own pace, but there is a zero program first as you don't need any special abilities or equipment or anything. And then we gradually build on that with what's called dense, where we're trying to get strong within a certain frame of time. So it's not like max out lifting. It's about just gradually building up uh, you know, dense strength in those muscles. And then there's a third program standards, which is now more like measurements of like, this would be a good idea based on what we've seen to be able to jump and, you know, play maximally without pain. So it's, it's three programs 
atgonlinecoaching.com. You can see them all from day one. And then Denise over Toast Guy on YouTube. You know, I aim for, for free education daily there. So if people wanted to, like right yep. away from the get-go, have some guidance from you or from one of your trainers, they could yep. sign up for that correctly. Right. I mean, yeah, right, yeah. Right we work. We work seven days a week. We answer every question, coach every video under twenty four hours. We are psychopaths of customer <laughs> service, and awesome. that's just that's just how we're built. My mom runs the customer service. She works seven days a week, you know, and I've been working seven days a week running the coaching for a few years now. Uh, we'll stop right there, and thank you so much for time. joining us today. Right. This was so so much fun. Pioneer in the field. We can always uh, do a follow-up. Yeah, we can always do a follow-up. Absolutely.